Hello, Cinefans, and welcome back to the Cinema Slayers podcast. This is a very unique episode just for the sheer fact that we have recorded this once and the audio got corrupted and we can't use it. So we are re-recording it again. So first and foremost is the aspiring pod boy. Yes, he is getting demoted because this is a re-record. Justin. Hello, cinema fans. Whenever I'm not drop kicking somebody in the face, I'm watching and reviewing movies. How's everybody doing? Next is the former DFW dance team member. We'll let you take that however you want, guys. Heather. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We're glad you're listening. And next we have the guy that lives in Oklahoma but barely likes it, Devin. Hey, thanks for making the choice to listen to the man with the caramel voice. (laughs) Nice. And then last but certainly not least, we do have the director of Monday and the guy that appears on Rebel Without a Crew, Alejandro Montoya Marine. I can't rap or rhyme to save my life, so I'll just say hello. (laughs) That works. You had me at hello, Alejandro. You had me at hello. I'll Jerry Maguire the shit out of this intro. That's right. (laughs) Loved it. All right, since we did lose these, we do have to start with these all over again, guys. This is the three questions. So since you've actually already done this before and things might change, this might be a little interesting. So first off, what are your three favorite movies and TV shows? Favorite movies? Uh, The Godfather, Star Wars, uh, Pulp Fiction, three favorite shows, The Sopranos, The Wire, uh, Seinfeld? Oh, that works. I thought you were going to go with the, like an HBO trifecta and say like Game of Thrones. I, you know what? I like, I really do like Game of Thrones quite a bit, but I've seen Seinfeld like 90 times and Game of Thrones maybe twice. We'll see. I'll, I, you, you said The Wire, which is the greatest TV show that's ever been made. After so, The Sopranos? Oh, no, no, no. The Wire. No, you gotta, you know, put, put the devil down in the hole there, Alejandro. Okay. <laughs> put him, keep him down in the hole. Yeah, we might we, we might have to debate this out later because this is new information for us. And wow, we're, yeah, this is going to be something later. All right, what's your guilty pleasure? <laughs> That's a, again, damn it. Oh, okay, I got a good one. Bar Rescue. Oh yes, I love Bar Rescue. But, but, but Bar Rescue is amazing. It's not guilty. It's just it like, you're just watching quality show. No, I mean if, it's pretty formulaic, and you know exactly what's going to happen. And, He's always like, I gotta stop this right now. And then he steps out of the van and shit. But it is just, it's so much fun to watch. Of, of all of those restaurant and bar like makeover shows, that one is hands down the best. John Taffer is a personal hero of mine. Mine's Gordon Ramsay. All right. When it comes to cooking, when it comes to cooking, yeah, but man, like the, the scientific level in which John Taffer will break stuff down. I mean, that episode where he introduced the double deep butt funnel changed my life. You know what I love about Tafford <laughs> or that show is I always try to uh, to guess how many POS systems they're going to add. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that sounds like an amazing game with that show that I've never played. Yes, that's yeah. a great, great drinking game. You know what I love about John Taffer too is I spent many years working in retail, uh, but... You know, you have to direct and manage people and you have to give feedback in a positive way that doesn't make them feel like shit. And I had these fantasies of like just going into different stores where everything was just fucked up and just straight John Taffering everybody. 
You don't have your front five covered. It's Saturday. There are 30,000 people who walk through this mall on a weekly basis. That means there's 5,000 people that you aren't getting, to, getting exposed to. How is that only your fucking business? It's not because you're a piece of shit and a fake. I just loved it. But then but then he <laughs> he throws in a compliment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, those 180s he does are beautiful. When he's like, you're just a big piece of shit. But we're here to help you fix it. No, exactly. no, no. It's, it's just on a dime every time. There's another drinking game you can play. That every time he says we started off rough or we started off on a bad foot. Oh, damn. If you did a marathon of that, no, you're fucked. Oh, man. Oh, I'm going to do that on Sunday because every Sunday they do that marathon. Yep. Oh, I am going to be so drunk on Sunday. <laughs> we should do... We should do an episode drinking, right? I I, I kind of feel bad right now because apparently we left uh, Heather and Justin in the cold on this one. Apparently, right. they don't watch Bar Rescue. Sadly, but, I do not. Next show, cool. but I'll have to watch it. Yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. It's on the Paramount Network, uh, formerly Spike. But um, the next question was going to be why, and uh, I don't think we have to do that now because we kind of went off on like why that show is amazing. Um. So let's just go ahead and jump into it. Rebel without a crew Monday. Yes, sir. So premise of the show, guys, it's you've got what? $7,000 and two weeks to shoot a movie based on how Robert Rodriguez shot El Mariachi, right? And no crew. Oh, yes, yes. No crew. A pivotal. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you watch the show. So this is a, this is a show that's on go 90 and it should, it's produced by L Ray's network. Um, so with this, like with shooting a film in two weeks, like what was the hardest thing for you to do with that? Um, it's well, not just time wise, but I think budget wise, it was, it was hard to convince people to help us because they get, they can't get paid or, shooting in their location for X amount of, re, uh, of, of hours, especially when pay is so low or, you know, doing it in another city that you're not from. So getting extras was a huge, a huge issue. Um, I think those were the biggest ones, but you know, when, when, when I got to meet uh, Robert Rodriguez, the first thing he told me was uh, this is a game of adaptation. And it totally was. As soon as I saw that and I felt that, I just, I, you know, it's, it's easy to get like stumble, like, like, you know, like, like a problem hitting you and you're like, what do I do? What do I do? But if you stick into that mentality, you just, you know, it'll take more time and it's just eating up your time to shoot. So it's always about adapting and dodging the problem. Well, um, as far as adaptation goes, that, that's, um, uh, that's great that you mentioned that. So what do you think were some of the biggest changes you had to make, like that you that you're allowed to speak about as far as like maybe some ideas you started with, but you had to wind up changing them or adapt to resources or availability, et cetera. What were some of the big changes you had to make? Oof, well, that's a that's a really good question, because it's I think in episode three. Um, I had planned, so this, this feature film is based on a short film that I did two years ago by the same name. And, um, I had written the feature film version with my friend Matt Page, uh, in mind. So he's like, I don't know, man, like, I don't know if this is lying, but fourth degree black belt, like the guy is legit. I just don't know the ranks. Um, 
and I had him in mind to to do the 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 big elaborate action scenes because he's done stunts, he's done actions, he's choreographed them, he knows you know martial arts. So when he wasn't able to come to the to the experiment in Austin to shoot the movie, that was a big problem because out of the casting process that I saw, I did not see another actor that would reach the requirements that he had. So after um, going to bed really early and just, you know, so I don't get upset, I just don't let it corrupt my brain and start thinking negative, negative um, I came up with a solution of just flipping the character and have uh, the hit man become a hit woman. Ah, yeah, that was really awesome. Okay. I think that was actually a good call, too, because based on the movie, uh, which is really great, it, it worked really well. Like that flip, I think that really it worked so well that like you if you didn't know that you wouldn't know that that was like not meant for a woman. You know, it was really well done. Well, thank you. I think uh, one of the, the the best things that Anna and I agreed upon was when she said, yes, I was going to go in and do rewrites. And then we were talking and we were both like, I think she should be the same vulgar in, in the level of vulgarity as the guy. And I was like, mm-hmm. I love it because um, I don't know, man. I just I really like the idea that this character is is that's all the characters got her job. And she will do anything to get the job done. So to me, that's that's a little bit scarier. Someone who's so obsessive. And so I will do anything to get the job done than a super elaborate, um, oh, I'm wacky kind of bad guy. You know what I mean? Like, this is all she does. She has no private life. All she does is this. And I think that Anna just did a kick-ass job. So Alejandro, um, one thing that I really enjoyed about the film was actually the soundtrack. Uh, I felt that it was really inspired. Um, was that a lot of original work, or did you source somebody to do that? How did that come about? I am very music-driven. Like, I just, for the longest time, I come from a family that's just ridiculously into music. Like, my grandfather's into, like, opera music and orchestra and, like, classical music. My dad's a lot into jazz. And like 50s rock and roll. My mom's about 70s. My two brothers are like hair metal bands and 70s. And I was the alternative rock 90s kid. And I've just gathered from so many, uh, from all of them, like so many different bands and different tastes that music is just a big part of my life. So every time I write a project, if I'm trying to do a stamp on it or like my the way that I express myself or my vision, it always comes from music. Like I always write to music as I write. I always try to select the soundtrack. And then, you know, like if the soundtrack is like a hundred songs, I'll cut to 50, then 25, then 20, then 15. Um, but in this case, because we only had $7,000 every day when we were filming, like my AD and I would share some sandwiches or I would, you know, eat a little bit less to save money. So then when I had to go edit, I have enough money to, to, to do a soundtrack and possibly make the movie even more appealing because after, um, you know, you do, you see the $7,000 and it's an action comedy. Then you read the soundtrack and you see that it's music by sleigh bells or Harlem or primitive radio gods. You're like, how the fuck did this guy get that? And it's pitching, just pitching it to the bands and, also, some of the original music came from uh, Emiliano Melis, which is a great Italian composer that my friend Charles Newman, who owns a record label in New York, um, 
knows. And Charles put me in contact with a good 50% of the music and us pitching them what the scene was going to be, what the style of the movie is. We would show them clips of the movie. Some of them were like, dude, let's do it. Don't even pay me. And I'm not even trying to take away from the rest because like bands, like other bands that are, that were, um, maybe a little bit more known cut down the price like ridiculously. And we spent for 30 songs, we spent $1,700. Wow. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's amazing. So, so from watching the show, and it's something I didn't think about going into it, filming, you know, you're filming your movie, but at the same time, you're having to do the responsibilities of filming a reality TV show while you do it. Mm-hmm. Like, what were some of the, like, were there any problems with that? Or was there anything that like, like, did that cause any like distractions or anything like that, that just kind of made it a little bit more interesting than you would typically think it would be? That's a great one, dude, because no one really prepares you for that, especially, um, when you're directing or every time I would direct, I would, uh, making a movie is already a problem, but then having them point the camera at you and you're thinking, how will they cut this? So I sound differently. Um, it's a little bit, it's something that's in the back of your head, but I honestly, like the way I saw it was a business tactic, treat others the way you want to be treated. So I immediately introduced myself to the camera crew. This is what I'm doing. I know you got a show. I got a responsibility. I work with you guys. You work with me. And we got along like gangbusters. Like the camera crew and I, we still text. We still, um, you know, we tag each other. We send pictures. The other day, uh, the producer and the two camera people are in San Antonio filming something. And they FaceTime me just to see how we were. So, I mean, it's, it, yeah, no, it was great. I got to meet uh a group of great uh, of great people that you know that are good filmmakers. They did a really good job capturing the emotion and all the turmoil that comes with do- doing a movie with like all those restrictions. And also another thing that happens is obviously uh, we don't get twelve hours. You know, in a regular set, minimum is twelve hours. We got nine hours every day, so it just adds pressure to like get it done. With that. With the with their camera crew and everything being on set and everything, um, l- like were there ever any like pauses or interruptions whenever you were trying to film something, or did they ever like stop you so that they could get something like or like like were there ever or is it just pretty much uninhibited? They're filming and getting stuff the whole time, but kind of letting you do your thing as far as um building your sets and. Um, filming what you wanted to film no they would stop you for interviews on the fly interviews they would you know sometimes they would get in the shot by accident so you know we would have to cut i mean it's it's oh man it's, again so, it's yeah it's how you manage people i mean that's my job as a director is you've got to manage so my job the way i saw it is okay it's just a bigger crew yeah ah uh, okay yeah so so alejandro you had nine hours a day to shoot um well, my my yes, question sir. is is like how would how much time would you estimate was spent actually shooting the film and how much time was spent like oh wait hold on there's a there's a guy's foot or you can see this dude's jacket in the reflection how much time was spent <laughs> actually just stopping pausing and then getting everything back the way you wanted it you know what I'm not gonna be able to answer that one because it's a really good question but there's you know the movie the movie's imperfect I have like a light in one of them. Uh, you can see one of the crew members in a, in one of them. 
but it's like you, you know, it's like it is what it is. It's uh, we 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 zoom in on the shot and boom, they're gone. It's like uh, the problems are fixable. I mean, unless the person is right in the center of the shot, it's kind of like okay, well, let's just redo it again. Like we we tried to you know move as quickly as possible, but also not obsess about something. If something's so minuscule, like if you have a movie uh, that's sixty minutes, which I do. What are the cherries? What are the moments that will wow people? This one, this one, this one. How about this scene? What is this? Ah, it's just a quick one minute that leads to the next one. Cool. Get the basic coverage. Is it perfect? Is it, is it everything? No. Does it work? Yeah. Moving on. Emphasize it with audio. Emphasize it with music. Emphasize it with sound effects. Love it. Run and gun. So, so there was never a point in time you, you were just to. like, man, where's Christian Bale when you need him? Yeah. <laughs> we didn't we didn't have time man <laughs> which yeah we did not we did not have time honestly like it's it's obviously i think in 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 episode 10 uh we just lose track because here's a perfect example i tried to do a one shot or i did a one shot and because i want i want to like show people that you know like not only can i tell a narrative but you know let me give it some style so you can see even with these um uh loophole not loopholes but like constrictions of of doing a seven thousand dollar movie no crew 14 days so doing the one shot definitely took 10 takes and that was the longest take of the movie but it's a really nice uh the characters flipping to show who owns the scene and who doesn't want to talk to the other one but then that's when the camera pushes in because it's all in the dolly um but in the last episode, when we finished that, my friend who plays Paul and also helped me AD was like, we got to get all of this done in an hour. So what I did was, cool, 30 seconds. You wrangle everyone up. Don't take it personal. If I'm short, I'm not offending your feelings. We got to get this fucking movie done. Because if we don't get it done, <laughs> then this is a waste of time. So let's just all fucking cooperate. Let's throw the feelings outside the window and let's just work. Now, something that I noticed with um with the show, which... Everyone listening, if you um, if you're able to, you should definitely check it out. It's a great show. Um, is just the it, it's just interesting seeing the dynamics between all of the filmmakers together, you know. And um, and I just remember seeing a couple episodes where you know you were helping out someone else who didn't have equipment, and you know, I just it was just kind of a, a cool form of camaraderie, you know. And I'm just curious if that was kind of the vibe for the whole show or was it like was there that sense of competition of of what was happening since you're all kind of having to deal with the same thing or what was that what was that like i mean I, power to i get along with the majority of the filmmakers no problem but i think that the re, the the because um, everyone always asks you so what do you what do you win and i'm like oh we don't win anything <laughs> uh, we just, we just, you just follow five filmmakers because we just make if, a film. if it was a, <laughs> exactly. I made a film, dude. And I screened at South by Southwest. That's for me. Right. That's like winning. Yeah. <laughs> I got to meet Robert Rodriguez and I have a feature film. To me, if this was a competition, I would have been a little bit different. I wouldn't have, I would have been like, I am just going to back away and I'm going to do my best to, to, to fucking win. But since it's not that and we all have the same goal, I mean, there were times where other people like uh, didn't know the equipment, so I tried helping them with that. Uh, they wouldn't, uh, they didn't do sides for their actors. I helped them out with that, um, or 
you know, the equipment, the lighting equipment uh, with Bola, like, because it's a lot of things that are going like my my movie wasn't makeup heavy. So that didn't take a, an hour of my time, but it did for hers because she does have to have a prosthetic. So when I was scheduling, I saw that she'd forgotten to pick up her equipment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're there to help. E- we were there to help each other out. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. it's just the nature of it. It's it's already hard enough as it is. So and I, I guess I was the oldest. So <laughs> I was just <laughs> I felt like I got to help him out. It's just cool that you still had that, even though it's like you have this pressure of you're making a film in 14 days, you have a crew following around all the time, but you still, you know, felt the need to just kind of support each other and help each other out through that. I think that's really cool. So, yeah, we be thanks. We became friends. We still talk on the phone. And and honestly, like I do it as like a. I did it because, you know, maybe one day or I was like, maybe day 14, I need help. And what would happen if then I'm looking for it and then you didn't help them out? So, right. Yeah. But no, it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was an experience, definitely. So, Alejandro, can you, um, enlighten the audience of the, um, selection process, how that went for you and how long it took and all that stuff? The selection of like, uh, yeah, for you, for like me? to be selected for the TV show, what did you have to do? Did you have to submit anything? All that type of stuff. Oh man, it was, it was a process. Um, I know that I had to send, like, first I had to send like previous work. From previous work, you have to send like a one sheet of what your project is, basically describing tone, what the plot is, et cetera, et cetera. Then I had to send a script. Then I had to send, then I had to do a Skype interview with producers, then with a psychiatrist, so, you know, they don't think I'm going to just lose my shit and, like, murder everyone in their sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, uh, what else? There was another step I don't remember, but there's se- there were several. Um, so, basically, it wasn't like, hey, you guys, you five were chosen, like, two months in advance. No, they kept telling us, like, you're in the top 20, top 15, top 10, top 7, top 5. So, like, how did how long did that take? Was it like two or three months, or was it was it longer, shorter? It could. You know what? Don't mark. Uh, don't. Um, I may be wrong, but I want to say two months, month and a half. I don't remember. Wow. Two months. I don't know. But yeah, it wasn't like a whole year. You know. Gotcha. So, um, were you kind of on pins and needles? Did you kind of have a a feeling that you'd make it, or were you just like, I don't know, it's worth a shot? Well, at the beginning, I got excited. And then as you keep going through all the stages, I'm just like, look, man, just tell me yes or no. Like, this is you're just <laughs> tricking me along, man. But uh, I think the nervousness got into when I was like on top seven. I was just like, I'm not going to get it. This is too much. If I would have gotten, they would have told me already. All right, you're, you're locked. But they didn't. So, I mean, and it's nervous because, you know, as a filmmaker and especially uh, an independent one, like or someone that, you know, my dad is not you know, Francis Ford Coppola or... Yeah, you don't have that industry pedigree. It's not like you can just call a guy and be like, oh, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, I got you. Exactly. I, you know, as you get closer, I always, like, I started going like, well, it was a good run. Like, it was, it was close. But then, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing for them to be like, hey, congratulations, you're one of the filmmakers. I was like, holy shit. So it was, um, it was a great feeling, but it was definitely not a quick one. It had took time. Well, um, speaking of uh, the selection process and everything, um, how did you go about selecting what type of film you were going to do? We've seen a few of the films done by some of the directors, and 
we've seen everything from there's I've seen a horror story, I've seen um a sci-fi story with Bola, but you seem to have went the more of the action route. And it kinda to me, I it kinda had a vibe almost like a Robert Rodriguez film, kinda like Desperado or something like that. So what was your inspiration behind that? And is this your wheelhouse or did you try to choose something that was more of a challenge as far as um, what you're familiar with? It definitely is something I was not familiar with. Like this is so I, the reason Monday came to be is because when I have I've been doing short films for a bit. And the last one I did before Monday was called Lo-Fi and it's a romantic comedy. And and I was like, I don't want to be known as just a romantic comedy guy. So what's what haven't I haven't I done that I would have fun with? All right, action. So, but when I did the short film, I had a crew. We had Steadicam, we had Dolly. We really could. I had an, I had a, a a fucking AC, which I didn't have in this shoot, definitely. <laughs> so I could really <laughs> oh, expand. Man. Yeah, no, dude, we didn't even have a follow focus or a fucking monitor. Wow. Yikes. Yeah, that was that was interesting. But um so I wanted to test myself in the in the short film and people got really happy with the short film. People really liked it. It's the only short film where we got a standing ovation in the theater once. Like that was That's awesome. That was like, whoa, that was awesome. Like I did not expect that. And That's badass, man. That's awesome, man. Thank you. No, it was amazing. So when we start when I started doing the research of what the show would be. And by research, I read the fucking rules. I was like, look, we're not going to have time to do an epic movie. And that's one of the things I tried telling the filmmakers on day one. Because they were like, you, you, you know how uh, filmmakers right now, they want to do everything symmetrical, then throw the blue on one side, then throw the pink on one side, and then everything's symmetrical. And it's like, that's fine. But you don't have time for that. You don't have time to dress your set that much. You got to get in and out. So I felt that the deconstruction of the plot of Monday would serve its purpose for the for the the tone and the style of the movie to start uh, falling off the rails. So the movie, as the day starts and he gets fired and dumped, and when he get, tries to get his back life uh, his life together, um, he gets caught in the middle of a drug cartel war. So as the plot gets a little bit crazier, that's what I started going more handheld. And basically, that cuts time on opening tripods and, and setting up dollies and etc. So it's just at that point, it was just me getting coverage. Obviously, every time we would get coverage, do it. But it also lends the purpose of the movie being very energetic because that's what I wanted. If people are going to come into the theater and it's already like what you're about to see is someone doing a $7,000 movie with no crew. People are going to be like, oh, shit, this is going to suck. They already come with that mentality. What I, what my purpose was, was I'm going to just entertain them and just keep it energetic so they don't have time to get bored. One thing, uh, I've noticed that based on like the previous conversation we had had with you and, uh, having talked with Bola and everything, um, that it's, it's really funny, like talking to you guys about the whole process of when you were making the movies and stuff like that. And then like when you <laughs> watch the show, like there are things that I saw on the show that like I was like, oh, I'm really surprised like Alejandro didn't bring that up. Like when we talked to him, like about difficulties and stuff like that, because uh, I want to say it was like episode three or four of you when you were recording, like the police came to your set once because of the prop guns. <laughs> and yeah. then there was a scene where like your computer bag uh, got ran over by a car 
and like i know it like in the show like everything it like it worked out and everything like that but it's just like when i'm watching the tv show i was like really surprised that those weren't things that came up because of like how serious and everything they seemed is it just one of those things that like since it worked out it just kind of became like a non-factor like to you now like looking back on it it's just not even something you think about anymore Look, brother, I'm Mexican. So when they told me I had, there were cops there, I was like, don't worry, I'll talk to them. I got this. <laughs> that makes sense. That explains it. I've spoken to cops a lot. So it, it was not a problem. I was just like, look, officer, we're doing this, this, and this. You explain. Again, you talk to people the way you want to be talked to. The officer was super awesome. And he was just like, oh, okay, well, you know, just don't, you know, don't leave this area. Then, you know, they'll be waving guns around. And we're like, oh, officer, you got it. The briefcase, <laughs> I just want to throw a pen out and I want to let people know that you got to buy Swiss Army luggage because that fucker <laughs> <laughs> did not break after an SUV ran over it. So just saying, Swiss nice. Army. Nice. And, um, yeah, I think what you, what you, what you're saying, Sterling, is definitely, it's true. You know, the problem came, it went when we were talking about adaptation. And I just, I didn't, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not repeating it over and over because it's to me, it's like, it's in the past done. It happened. Peace. Moving on. Like the pivotal ones that could have that you know, that really changed the plot of the, our film was, or our shooting days was, you know, missing, uh, having to flip the character or when it rained in the show. I think it's only there for 10 seconds, but it was, it was hard, guys. I'll tell you that. That was one of the hardest days because it was 30 degrees. It was freaking cold and we unloaded everything. And then as soon as we unloaded everything, it started raining and it was like, all right, let's pick up everything, go to the next location, which is across the street. So we can't even like, we have to carry everything. Get there. You just lost 35 minutes. Okay. Let's shoot. And how do you not let it aggravate you? Because as a director, the way I see it or the way I like to conduct business on set is if you're negative, you're just being contagious to the whole crew. So I had to keep a persona of being happy and, oh, we got this. And when it was time to work, all right, guys, we're being serious. Let's fucking do this. Yeah. You can't be afraid to, to give orders, but there's a way to give orders. You can't do it insultingly. You got to do it in a way that it's like inspiring. Well, that's awesome, man. That's that's very true. I mean, just any working environment, it seems like it's always better when the leadership reacts to situations that way. So that's awesome, man. That's good insight. Thank you, sir. That was a great question. Now, another thing I was curious about um, is, so I know that um, I think it was in one of the first couple of episodes when they have you go through the the group of people to cast your your roles that you're gonna do yeah that looked incredibly overwhelming it looked like it was a madhouse in there and i'm i'm wondering if that like did that kind of set the tone for like the stress level just continued from there or was that like you know you got that out of the way and so the rest of it kind of came a little easier or was the end of it and the fact that oh we have only a couple days left to shoot was that more on the you know, nerve wracking side. Like, is there, is there kind of like a, a gauge that you're going off of, of what was the most stressful thing that you did? Heather, I'm going to be honest with you. The whole process is fucking stressful. Not yeah, one it is seems more like stressful it. than the other, but right. that like, because, because, you know, casting is stressful because there's 200 people 
And they're like, you got two hours. So that's, you know, it's, you don't find them, you don't shoot your movie. Or you shoot your movie already starting with the wrong foot. You know what I mean? With the left. Yeah. So then when you do production, if you don't do that right, then when the time you get edited, you're just going to be stressing. But I think the moment that they told me, oh, by the way, you're only bringing one person. That's why I'm like, all right, I see where this is going. Just handle the stress. And then on the weekends, just drink it away. <laughs> a good life philosophy. Yes. Exactly. There were a lot of Tito's vodka that was consumed by Alejandro on the weekends. So Alejandro, <laughs> um, usually when you have a new experience and um, you have a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, and you come out the other end completing what you set out to do, there's usually a lesson that's pulled from that. So what did you learn about yourself or what did you learn new that you're just going to kind of take to how you work now? I The show... This show has taught me a lot, believe it or not. I, I learned to be patient. I learned that if, if I want to continue creating, I got to lose weight. <laughs> I mean, that's just the math of it. It's just as simple as it was. Me doing this show, I can feel like my back hurting. I can feel, and I'm like, oh man, I'm not young anymore. If this was, if I was 25, man, I would have been like the Tasmanian devil just running around. Like I really had, a lot of energy. But I think, yeah, I think patience was the biggest, the biggest lesson that this show taught me because, I mean, you're getting asked by the crew filming you. You're getting asked by the actors. You're trying to decipher what your movie's going to look like, even though you haven't seen the locations or you haven't done storyboards. Like, I did not do storyboards for the whole movie. There was no storyboards. So I would have to come in there and just be like, all right, we're doing this, 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 this. And they're all asking you a bunch of questions. So if you don't go in cool and just take it one step at a time, you're going to burn out. So what I did was my trick or not even a trick. It's not even a trick. It's stupid. It's what I did or my strategy was um, don't start to with don't start with a bang. That's how I saw it. So it was just kind of like pacing that energy and evenly distributing it. So that way, you know, you have some reserves that's left over. Exactly. Like that was the strategy. But what I learned out of the whole experience is, um, is to, you know, to have patience. And if this is really what you want to do, then do it. Like it just proved to me that this is the only career I should be doing. Like I was, I, that's it. This is it. This is what I was meant to do. I love every second that I'm there. I talk to actors. I love working with them. I love working with, you know, uh, with cameras and creating stories and stuff. And it's like, you got to trust yourself. If this is what you want to do. Go for it. It's not going to be just, you know, you do it in three months and then that's it. You hit big. I mean, great if you do, but it's usually going to take years to get better. And I'm just, I'm so eager where this is going to take me because I want to learn more. I just want to get better. So patience, I think, is, is the best thing that I learned. Fantastic. That's awesome. Man, that's that's a great lesson, man. And I have to commend the movie, man, because especially from some of the technical aspects and especially just in comparison to some of the other films that we've watched, man, yours was really technically sound, man. And you got a lot of good shots, a lot of great establishing shots, some good angles. I mean, and the sound editing was also great, too, man. The gunshots, came, you know, everything sounded like it should have. So to be able to get a lot of the shots that you got and to do it with no storyboard and on the fly like that, man, 
That's really commendable work, man. I just thought I'd point right. that out for those that haven't seen the film. It's good stuff, man. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. Like I I there's nothing there's nothing better than to see your actors, especially the Austin actors guys that like didn't know who the fuck I was or who is this guy? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? We haven't seen his work. Like they they had accepted the role and then I would send them my short films. So they could be like, look, this is how I work. It's not going to be that way, but at least you know that, you know, I'm not, I'm not just going to, I'm just, I'm not just throwing, you know, shit up the air and just saying that, that we, we were taking this seriously. So the actors were really, they were in everything in my favorite part of working on the set because they were also patient, trusting, and they were just like, let's just let him do what he, you know, they saw that I had a vision and they were like, just go with it. So. That really means a lot, man, because um, we all worked our asses off. So the fact that someone is saying this, knowing all the constraints and still saying that the movie was good or people are saying that it's like it doesn't seem like it was seven grand. That just makes me incredibly proud because that just means I don't let my team down. Well, without a doubt, man. Um, so I just want to give you one more compliment. Um, you could tell the positivity that you brought into your movie because it seems like everybody was just having a blast. Uh, <laughs> uh, script probably helped you got to insult people a lot, so that's always good. But you could just tell how much fun everybody had. And I know that it was a frantic, crazy production, and just to see everybody having so much fun and how you technically executed it. I mean, some of the things you were doing, like popping up almost holograms on the screen to show like people's bios and stuff like that. I was like, what, what did he did this in two weeks? What, what did he sleep? Did you actually have a week? You said you went to bed early. Was that in like in um in comparison going to bed early? Like oh, I got the I got to bed at four today, four a.m. That's good. <laughs> so I started losing my shit around day twelve. That's when I was like, so close. <laughs> You're so close. So close. Yeah, two days. I started two days, man, because I had my schedules flipped. So when I was do when I was filming, it was nighttime, and then they were they were shooting in the morning. So when I would get home, I would sleep for maybe two hours, and then fucking ruckus all over the house. So I would wake up, and you know sometimes I went back to bed. Someone sometimes I didn't, and I just start you know scheduling the shoot for for that day or the next day. So it, I did sleep, but not enough. <laughs> Definitely not enough. And if you could just um, give a little brief synopsis of what your movie is about for those uh, listening. Yeah, um, my movie is called, or our movie, our movie it was a team effort. Our, our movie is called Monday. It's an action comedy about uh, a guy named Jim, the average Joe that gets fired, dumped. And when he tries to get his back life together, he is caught in the middle of a drug cartel war. Now he's trying to run or shoot his way out of it. Sure, of course. <laughs> as you do I because mean, it happens all the yeah, time every Monday of course every Monday damn cartels <laughs> just can't definitely definitely sounds like a Monday not again right. <laughs> can't, can't, can't wait damn till cartels. Wednesday just give me till <laughs> home day you know what I'm saying before you make me fight for my life <laughs> right well, if it may well for real I'm, I'm, I, I am writing the sequel it's what happens right the next day that's awesome that's amazing (laughs) nice 
and it's, nice. it's going to get way fucking nuttier. But I'm not going to say anything so people can enjoy the first one. So from watching the show and everything like that, and like, you know, since it is a Robert Rodriguez show and, you know, he's intermittently around, you know, showing up on sets and things like that and helping you guys out. Like, is there like any crazy Robert Rodriguez story or just like a good Robert Rodriguez story that happened that might not be on the show or just, you know, something like, you know, fun with that? Um. Okay. There's, I mean, the second time in the, in the series, if you see, I think it's episode eight or nine, he shows up and that wasn't planned. That's just mm-hmm. him. Like he got out of work and he saw lights and he goes, Oh, let's see who's shooting. Like he's just, he's just <laughs> interested in movies. It's no, that's awesome. it's no bullshit. But one of the things that I was incredibly impressed was, uh, during the South by Southwest party that they have, they, they found, we found out that Franklin's was going to cater. Franklin's is like one of the biggest barbecue joints in, in, in Austin. And so, uh, when, when I found out that Franklin's was going to be catering, because it's, I think, his favorite barbecue joint. Obviously, overweight Alejandro was just always talking to people, but being really close to where the barbecue was. So <laughs> I, I, re- I remember they go, they go, uh, by the way, Franklin's is ready to serve. And I just said to whoever I was talking to, that's how important it was. I went, excuse me. And I just <laughs> ran around it and just served barbecue because I was the third or I was the third in line. And then I sat down and I saw Robert sitting down. So I'm like, hey, you're not getting any barbecue. He's like, oh, yeah. And then they had one of the chefs bring a whole tray of shit. He goes, and I'm like, yeah, VIP right there. (laughs) You didn't have to wait in line, sir. (laughs) Perks of being the director. (laughs) I know, right? I mean, and that's crazy, though, especially with Franklin's, because like Franklin's is like fairly world renowned, like known barbecue. And the fact that like they're known for like making only x amount of brisket a day and so like if you don't show up when they have it they're like man we're out it's like the fact that you guys got them to cater like that's crazy dude i was everyone was like oh man you're at south by southwest and you're gonna like yeah that's really exciting did you hear franklin's is catering this event (laughs) that would have been me totally yeah for sure oh my god and then it was amazing and then i saw people wasting their time with like Putting, you know, like four pieces of bread, beans, potato salad, rice. I'm like, that. <laughs> give me roast. Give me the. I need some meat. Brisket, the, the ribs. Give me that oh, meat. Yeah. yeah, the Look meat, man. Meat. Need the meat. <laughs> give me a meat IV. Exactly. Just hook it up. Blend and blend. I can't. I can't remember. I can't remember his name. The guy that owns Franklin's, like, uh, like I, he's got a video on YouTube about like him like prepping a brisket. And I've I've watched that video probably like a hundred times, just trying to like learn stuff because I like you know making brisket like up here, like what's something else I can do to like step my brisket game up? Dude, it's a really big franchise. Like I, I went to sc- I went to film school in Canada, and uh, there I met a guy named Chris Levesque, fantastic guy, super great DP, great friend. And he, a uh, couple of, like, five years or maybe eight years ago, he got into, like, barbecuing, which I should have seen the signals because every time we did barbecue in Vancouver, he would always be like, I'll cook it. I'm like, all right, I'll just drink. And when I told him the uh, about the catering, he goes, you fucking had Franklin's? Like, he knew exactly who that was and what they do and how renowned they are. So they're That's pretty big legit. deal. He's, like, super calm. Mm. And he's, uh, I think, from Toronto. and. uh 
Yeah, he he no, he's a great guy, but you know he no, the only they're, game they're, he plays is the game of barbecue. Damn straight, what's wrong with that? <laughs> but here's the problem. Nothing at all. I don't know him, so I I can't eat his food, so that's a problem. Then we're gonna have to figure have? something out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you only eat people's food that you know? Yeah, pretty much. That's very limiting. Uh, I like, I like, wow. I like. No, it's not. I just go into every restaurant. I demand to see the owner. I go, let me find the person who owns this establishment. I meet them. Um, they filled out a seventy-six question questionnaire for me, real quick. Sure. Um, there's real quick. Five-minute interview or so, and then I sit down for my meal because that right there is appropriate and it is very efficient. That's beautiful. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> and for people that don't know, like if you like about Franklin's barbecue, uh if you watch the movie Chef, when he gets barbecue, when he gets that brisket in Austin, that's Franklin's. Nice. Okay. And it's amazing, by the way. It melts in your mouth like I'm not even kidding. It's amazing. Man, I've I've already written it down in my notes. The next time I wrestle there, I'm going. I'm going to find this Franklin's. I'm going to oh, find you it. Got to, you got to get there early. Like, they open at, like, I think 11 in the morning. And it really is. They're only open. They're open for as long as they have meat. And they only make, like, a certain amount of day. That's awesome. So, wow. Like, and, and there's, like, a line every single time because of this. People are there so at you're... 6 in the morning, dude. Yeah. Like, this what? is this is the real deal, legit shit. Star Wars of meat. Wow. <laughs> yeah so if you want to do this you've legitimately got to set aside a day but and like i haven't had it but I, I'll, I'll tell you this everything i've heard about it is you'll set aside that day just to eat that at that place but it is 100 percent worth it every time wow okay it is okay i will keep this in mind well next time awesome. i'm in austin i'm going to franklin's i'm going there oh it is worth it it is worth it okay so i am really Really, really, really anxious to ask these questions of you, Alejandro. Um, you may remember them from the last time we spoke, but um, I want to give them to you again. So, real quick for you, my friend. Name me your top four directors who you love watching. Uh, um, Scorsese. Um, gee, this is a tough one. Um, I'm going to have to go with more than four, man. Rodriguez, Tarantino, Edgar Wright. Um, Michael Mann. Uh, <laughs> there's just so many. There's so many. Uh, Iñárritu, Cuarón, Del Toro. It's, there's just so many, man. I'm, but yeah, I gave you a couple. Okay. <laughs> All a right, couple. so we got those six. Now, uh, this is the fate of the world right here. Fate of the world. All right. One of these guys has to go, die. And with them, their complete works are gone. They're absolutely gone from all history. Who Who's going to die? I think I did this the last time. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I was like, I forgot to mention McG. You put him in so the then, So then McG can go. McG can go. <laughs> McG. Okay. So I just. Oops. I want to McG, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> Alejandro Marin. Does not does not mind you dying and everything that you love, everything you've created, going. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, McGee. You're probably a nice guy, but I wasn't a fan of Charlie. Well, the first one was all right. <laughs> now that full throttle, though. That woo. See, 
I'm actually going to side on the full. I'm going to side on the full throttle side. Oh, of you stuff. are you are insane. You are crazy. No, no, just because in full throttle, that's li- that's literally what they did. Like they all just took a shit ton of cocaine every day. <laughs> like between every scene was just a mountain of cocaine. Everybody on set took it and they went for it. It is just insane <laughs> in every possible way, and I admire that. <laughs> So, you know, tips for your next um, film you're doing there, Alejandro. Yeah, make sure to get a, a kilo of the cocaine. <laughs> While filming Tuesday. Anytime, anytime, you, anytime you yell cut, you, you take a bump. And right before you yell action, you take a bump. And it, it'll just <laughs> be the most insane thing ever. And then day three, a memorandum of Alejandro. His heart exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was filled with love. <laughs> the picture with me throwing a thumbs up with like my nose, like my, my nostrils just with a little bit of white powder and my oh, mouth no. open. <laughs> <laughs> For those listening, the subject matter here does not reflect each and every person's opinion that's on this podcast. So, <laughs> Yeah, I don't do cocaine, y'all. I'm just joking. Just watch my movie. That's I don't, all. I, I don't do cocaine. I am cocaine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just hear me sniff. Uh, all right. That was my yeah. sinuses. Yeah, like you got them allergies. You got them. You know. I mean, I kind of, I kind of think it'd be worth it. Just like one day in my life, just do cocaine every five minutes that day, and just Jesus see where it takes me. Take you straight to hell. That's what's going to take you. <laughs> I don't need cocaine to help me with that. Yeah. You're in a room full of people hell bad. We're on a highway to hell. We, we going. Are you are you Catholic, Alejandro? I, I think out of, uh, what's it called? Um, oh, my family's Catholic. For, so by default, I am, I guess. Okay. Yeah. You don't get to leave. That's not, it's not, you know, you don't get to bounce out. You got to, you got to go through yeah. stuff to get there. Well, you better get yourself to a confession because right here, you de- you're dealing with some destitute mofos over here. I'm telling you. Dude, I, with ha- low, I haven't confessed since, since I was 11. Ooh, man, you didn't even get to the masturbation stuff. You <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's I think masturbation was the thing that got me to not go to confession. Yeah. It's like how am I gonna tell another priest, oh, I've been pounding. Yeah. <laughs> and especially if they start asking you for details. I mean, historically speaking. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So what were you thinking about, <laughs> my son? <laughs> tell me great detail. <laughs> I would probably be like, I'd be like, Jillian Anderson, father, what the fuck's your problem? Ooh, Jillian. Oh, I was thinking, Jill, I was thinking of, I was thinking of Jillian Michaels for a second. I was like, man, you like him, you like him strong, boy. <laughs> See, that's that's right, in my, that's right in my wheelhouse though, because of the X Files. Like yeah. that's kind of oh, that was yeah. like the X Files and Boy Meets World were kind of my sexual awakening when when it came to like TV people. Mine was She-Ra. Really? That was a cartoon, though. Ooh, but yeah, then, She-Ra. yeah, Scully, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Oh, well, see, Scully, I've never, I never was sexually attracted to her. I had like, a lot of respect for her. Ooh, like, oh, I was talking about, I was talking about David Duchovny. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you guys talked about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The truth is out there. <laughs> <laughs> that guy has animal <laughs> magnetism that's just off the scale. <laughs> so I, 
is it safe to say you're a big Californication oh, uh, fan? Californication, like whenever I first heard about that show, I was like, all right, this is going to be kind of weird seeing Fox Mulder do all this stuff. But then after like watching like the first episode and seeing like that, I'm like, oh, no, that's just David Duchovny in person. No, this is awesome. Give it three seasons. You just found out that was just David Duchovny. That was just that was just who he was. It was a documentary. <laughs> like the greatest thing about that show is he's probably like one of the most like deprived relatable characters out there. Like he was just deplorable in almost every sense of the word. But at the same time, he was also just so insanely human and so relatable. Like on in every way that like you just felt for him, even though he'd be doing the most fucked up thing possible. You're just like, no, my heart goes to it right now. Yeah, he's one of the only characters who you can say, like, debauchery, and it fits, you know, (laughs) just filth and debauchery, and but still, very human. It was Sons of Anarchy-like with his likability, you know, that's one one of my favorite shows uh, of recent memory, and I just loved how, like, all those people were, like, the worst types of people. And you were just like, oh, man, Jax, you deserve better. I mean, you did just set someone on fire. But uh, I hope it works out for you. <laughs> I hope I hope you find love. Yeah, it's it's I, I, I got to see that show, by the way. You're 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 not the first that recommends it. That says that it's their favorite. But it's like you got to have a main character that has things that you don't like, because then what's the point? There's no risk. It's, it's too perfect. Like, to, like, you know, like saying Tony Soprano, like Tony Soprano is he's super charismatic, but he's a fucking asshole. He's, a, he's an animal. He's an animal. Yeah. He's an animal. So I've I've been waiting <laughs> I've been waiting since the intro to get back into this, and since it went to TV and you brought up Tony Soprano, uh, I don't know how you can say that the Sopranos is better than The Wire. Like, well, without, don't get me wrong. Without the Sopranos, The Wire wouldn't have existed. And cinematography and production value, Breaking Bad wouldn't have existed. Game of Thrones wouldn't have existed. I think I, 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 I get what you're saying behind all that, but at the same time, I think Breaking Bad still owes more to The Wire than it does uh, The Sopranos with with a lot of the stuff it did. I mean, to me though, The Wire it really is hands down the greatest TV show that's ever existed. Like, well, it's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Like, the way the the thing I liked more about it than say like The Sopranos is The Sopranos feels it feels like a movie. You know, it feels like their characters and things like that. The wire on the other hand feels like you're in Baltimore, just watching shit happen. You don't really get the feeling that a lot of it is a movie. It really just feels like, yeah, you're like you're Christmas caroling into Baltimore and you're just like watching events transpire in front of your face. Yeah. It's a pretty fantastic show. It also introduces like one of like the best TV characters of all time, which for me was Omar. Omar. I was really worried where you were going with that. And then you went to the right spot. And then that's all that matters. Yeah, he's fucking amazing. <laughs> How could you doubt Alejandro? I mean, she. Oh, there we go. <laughs> which, I, mean, the greatest thing, I mean, the greatest thing is, too, is we're coming up on the summer, which means I am due for my yearly watching of every episode of The Wire. So I'm really looking forward to the summer. I do that with The Sopranos as well. I watch it like. At least once a year. I just, I, I truly, truly love the soundtrack, especially. Holy Up shit. It's moaning. You got yourself a gun. You got one in a million. I mean, okay, can I be honest? Do you guys prefer The Wire 
intro or the Sopranos that you can pick all the five. Oh, seasons. dude, the, the way they mixed up the wire, they did like some jazz stuff. They did some blues stuff. Wire, come on, man. Wire's season, wire, wire season three intro. Hey, is a the black best. wire is always going to beat a raspy white dude. I'm sorry. It's just, I'm sorry, dog. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> when you're walking with Jesus. <laughs> come on, man. You heard that soprano. You keep the devil down in the hole. That's why you should have went to confession. You wouldn't keep him in the hole. You was painting your sheets when you were 11 <laughs> with the devil. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly keep, why. Keep them in the hole, Alejandro. Down in the hole. <laughs> yeah. The, no, don't get me wrong. I love The Wire. I think um, a lot of people, well, maybe not you guys, but a lot of people that I've spoken to don't give the fifth season credit, and I thought it was fantastic. Great season. I mean, the, the fifth season does go a little off the rails compared to what you saw in the, the, the four seasons that lead up to it. But... The way it concludes is still incredibly satisfying. Mm-hmm. And I'll take the fifth season of The Wire over almost every other show's best season. Like, it's still, its worst season is still better than 99% of most other TV so- like shows' seasons. So you would prefer the fifth season of The Wire than the whole Tim Allen show that was just canceled and re- redone? I would take me getting shot in the head over watching another season of Last Man Standing. I wouldn't. I don't even remember the fucking name. That's not really good. That's not really a good comparison for me. Um, yeah, that's one season of The Wire versus an eternity of Tim Allen. Which I mean, we're being too polite. Let's get into the nitty gritty up in this. Movie. All right, all right. So we want to get to the nitty gritty. All right, here we go. You live in Texas. There was just a shooting. What do you think? No, I'm joking. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We just lost half our audience. There we go. Maybe drink a little little bit of your beer first. (laughs) So, if you could remake a movie that you think you could have made in a better way, what Mm -hmm. movie would that be? Oh, man. There's two Highlander and Doom. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. What what would you have done? I want to hear how you would have done Doom first. I mean, for, yeah, exactly. I would go with Doom because, like, I mean, Highlander. It's it's good. It's a good movie. I just i I would try to make it a little bit less hokey because a lot of the of the hokiness just plays on my nostalgia. Uh, Doom. I feel that, like, imagine making the movie Doom, but but like through the lens of of like David Fincher, where you really do this like macabre and less cartoony animals. And like everything that looks gray, how about you just really dive into the whole station being overpowered by hell and you really play with the horror element of minimal lighting and uh, sound effects and just really good music. Like, I don't know, man. I feel like Doom has the potential of being just an amazing movie. You're like make it into like a live action dead space. Like make it feel real claustrophobic, real claustrophobic. Really, really dark. Yep. Uh, just very, very tense. And, you know, every time he kills one hell spawn or hell being, uh, there, there's another one right around the corner and just skin to your teeth the whole time. I think that was great. Except there is one part of yeah, Doom I love. And that's when he got the God Mode cheat and he went all chainsaw view. I don't care what anybody says. That was one badass moment in movie history. 
Yeah, that was dope. That was dope. I mean, but try to utilize stuff that could be reflected by other people that are yes. not gamers. Like maybe Im- implement a scene that resembles like Saving Private Ryan when the Marines get there and it's overthrown, and then you just really go at it to an action scene where it's just you know you show the severity of this portal being open. So I would I would just try to get people to like lose their shit when they're watching. You know what would be like really awesome in that? If you ever got a chance to do this, is like at the beginning of the movie, you show um, you know, you know, cause like in Doom Three you they were like on a space station or whatever. So like you show it in like crisp, mm-hmm. clean, like optimum uh efficiency, everything running well and right and everything looking like super good. You're real detailed in every room, and then like as the movie progresses, you just like see how fucked up everything is. That would be like absolutely awesome. That would really add to like just the horror of it and see like this transformation. Yeah, you can really adopt shit from like both Alien and mm-hmm. Aliens to make yeah. a really good Doom movie. Yeah, most certainly that would be really dope. Now, what would you do with Highlight Highlander? Oh man, I you know it's tough. It could be, I think I would just, like I said, make it less hokey, make it, you know, like, I mean, as charming as Christopher Lambert is, you know, but every time he just, ha, ha, I don't, you know, it's kind of like, okay. <laughs> well, so, yeah. Some, uh, it, I, mean, I wouldn't cast a Scottish man yeah. to be a Spaniard. That, a little whitewashing there. How did they whitewash white men? How did you Hardcore. do that? How did you whitewash whiteness? That is like inception whitewashing right there. I, this is like, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, like, come, come on, man. Sean Connery as the Spaniard. I mean, it's not as bad as John Wayne as Genghis Khan. So, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. Marlon Brando as a Mexican, but like, but still, like, if okay, if they're going to go with Sean Connery because he's a name, I understand. Like when you know, like oh well, they they casted this person. I, this person is like a fucking twenty can get you seventy five million dollars on opening weekend. I get it. They grab Sean Connery, but at least take him to a fucking month of acting. Oh, you know that would have done absolutely no good. That would have done. That would have been a waste of money. That that would have been seventy five million. That would have been their opening weekend down the drain. You mean to tell me that Raul Julia wasn't around during this? He would have been a Oh man, speaking yes. what a great actor. What a great actor Raul Julia is. Oh right? uh, man, I would have that so the oh um I was I don't know if you guys ever um watch Mutt Culture on YouTube, but they're like fascinated with Highlander. So mm-hmm. um at the time of the shooting of that movie, um the reason why Christopher Lambert um sounds so strange and his accent is everywhere is because he pretty much learned English on the set of that film. So, <laughs> yes, he pretty serious? much learned English on the set of that wow. film. So that's why his accent sounds so weird. That's, that's why everything is so weird. And then he also was, you know, there's a lot of sword fights in it. He actually is like legally blind. <laughs> so all of those scenes when he was sword fighting, this is dude who can't see. What is even happening? Seriously? Wow. I retract right, my I, opinion. Christopher I, Lambert rules. I, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, Devin. I, and I'll, I'll I'll give it that pass. But do 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 you know the explanation between by with uh, Sean Connery's 
accent as the uh no no we've Spaniard. already discussed that it was awful I, there is no excuse for that i already said that i just want to know like if there was a reason behind that too like why he like did was that like a choice was he like was he sitting there doing a character study and was like i really need to add something extra to my spaniard character he should sound scottish yeah <laughs> maybe he thought he was just an old poiga <laughs> since he gets his end um i mean maybe maybe i haven't gone on the record yet on this podcast about this and i'll do it now sean connery's just a terrible actor i think that's why how dare you i will defend that all right name one movie he ever did where he wasn't just sean connery i should have mailed it to the mox brothers he was just sean connery in everything he ever did even in murder same thing we had about michael Caine. Michael Caine is just Michael Caine in every movie he is. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is just Anthony Hopkins in every movie he does. Every one of these actors, for, like especially from that time period, that are like of from the United Kingdom, all they do is play themselves in everything they ever do. Everything. Like I believe Anthony Hopkins eats people. Dragon Heart. Anthony Hopkins <laughs> eats people. <laughs> Man, that was Sean Connery as a dragon. That's all it was. That was just Sean Connery as a dragon. If you put him in a dragon costume, that voice work was thing. just as good as Bradley Cooper's Rocket Raccoon. I could not even tell that that was Sean Connery. And no one, you're I, fucking lying. I was also, you were fucking lying <laughs> that entire time. If at any point he was just like, "Hey, let's get a martini and fuck," you would have been like, "Yeah, yeah, makes sense as that dragon." What about Finding Forrester? <laughs> Man, that was just Sean Connery fucking being a teacher. If he had just at any point in the movie just said, hey, let's get a martini and fuck. I would have been like, yeah, yeah, makes sense. That would okay. have dramatically changed the tone of that film. It would have. I do agree with that. It would have been a big tonal shift if that line Ooh. had ever came out of his mouth. Slightly. Like, it really is. Like, I have huge problems with these actors. Like, it, like we'll, we'll, we'll curb this now because, honestly, I could go for about another actor. We could or for another hour. If you just talk Michael Caine, Anthony Hopkins, and Sean Connery, and I could, I'll go through every one of their films and just tell you how it's the exact same as the last one. You know what I was just, uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but like, you know who, what, what, what we're talking about? You know what I, we were talking about, like, Kurt Russell, he's just a, he's just a charming actor that, because uh, I forgot we were watching Guardians 2, right? And then I was like, oh yeah, Kurt Russell's in this. And then I turn around to my friend and my girlfriend. They go, yeah, I like him. Isn't that like always the Kurt Russell reaction? We're yeah. like, oh, Kurt All Russell right. in it. All right. Okay. All right. Like, you dig, know, like, pretty much. Dig the, yeah, dig pretty the much. Uh, demented dimples he had in Guardians 2. I was like, wow, they really went in on the dimple effects when they redid his face. Like, wow. <laughs> but, that's like a, a little. He was well casted in that movie. Like, he he's believably you know, Chris Pratt's father. <laughs> and he just did a good job in that role, I, I would say. Yeah. I enjoy, yeah, yeah, he's he's I like Kurt him. Russell. He's Kurt Russell. The usual reaction. Yeah, you can't not like him, you know? He's one of the people who has two first names that I trust. That says <laughs> and a that lot. says a lot. I, that's, if yes. you, have, you have two first names, that's I'm it. automatically suspicious of you, of the most egregious things a human being could possibly <laughs> yeah. Unless it's Kurt Russell. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Ricky. Ri I'm Ricky Ricardo, mm -mm. sir. I don't like you already. Mm -mm. 
But see, but Ricky Ricardo is different because he that was that's his that's his that's his slave name, Ricky. He did that so he could survive in, you know, the sixties or whatever. He was trying out he's already, <laughs> you know, married to a white lady, so he was in trouble. A ginger. Mm. Or if you talk about Ricky Ricardo from a uh, cable guy. What's your name? Ricky Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> Yeah, so I love that movie. One of his like I best. About that. I don't care. I thought he was amazing in that. Like when Jim Carrey was like mid nineties, he could do no wrong. There was nothing. The Jim Carrey is a bottle of beer. I'd be like, I'm going oh, to yeah. see it. <laughs> beer, beer bottle face. Jim Carrey. <laughs> Summer, yeah, he 97. was. He was I'm great. There, no problem. <laughs> be there in a second. Take my money. Yeah. I started backing away when he yeah, did Yes um, I backed away a lot. Yeah, I think I backed away that. at the Grinch. <laughs> I, I think I was like, oh, man. No, I, I made it through the Grinch. I think it was uh, Fun with Dick and Jane. And that is not the movie I yeah. was expecting, because typically that title. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. We get it. <laughs> Just depends how, on how freaky you are. So, <laughs> So since we did talk about this when we did record last. And since we don't we, we don't have that audio, but we do have this opportunity now. What yeah. do you think of that Avengers, Alejandro? Oh, that's right. Oh fuck. Um, I mean spoilers. Yeah, no, it's yeah. fine with spoilers. spoilers, spoilers fine. Fine. <laughs> yeah, we just did a whole um, episode on it. It's fine. I was not a fan of the ending. I, I I actually enjoyed the movie. It was a lot of fun. My favorite was uh, Thor and Rocket on their adventure. That mm-hmm. was fucking so much fun. Yeah, that was good. But I didn't like the ending just because it's it was, you know, like, it doesn't really... Everyone's like, oh my god, did he... Yeah, but if you notice, they killed all the people that just started their franchises. Like, it's just fucking... But if they would have killed... They would have killed Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye and, and a bunch of no-name people would have made even less sense. To me, I, this is why I tell people, in that universe they don't know that they got another movie. You know what I mean? Like, they don't know that they got a sequel coming. It makes sense for that universe. Oh, I know. It's just for us. If you wanted to have the same impact as Empire Strikes Back, do take um, uh, someone that you, you, you're you like, oh, wow, like Hawkeye, yeah, you don't know if he's going to come back. He doesn't have does. franchise. Take him out. But, but, but then also <laughs> kill some, like, kill Thor or kill Robert Downey. Or don't kill- do it. Don't do it. I... Yeah, after Guardians two, where they're gonna make Guardians three two years, she's coming back. Like, oh no, she didn't. She didn't get snapped oh, away. See. She got dropped off a cliff. Oh no, she's I'm sure coming the, back. Yeah, she's back. coming back. She's she's yeah. in the Soul Stone. That, that is where she, she is. She was she's in the Soul Stone. Soul Stone. They killed Loki. No, no, I. But of all the deaths, of all the deaths, the one that I di- like, I thought was the most impactful was Gamora's. Like, as far as that movie went, that scene with Thanos, especially after that death, was impactful. Like that was a truly impactful death. Yeah, that was really good. I just I really wish that um they would have killed like either Captain America or Robert Downey and it would have been like even better if it was I hope so, because I was like, This is the real world. They're gonna die. (laughs) I know, I know. For real. I know. I mean I'm just and just because I can, and this makes three podcasts in a row. Row, I get to say this: Spider Man's okay, death sir. was fucking cheap. Oh god! Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. See, <laughs> found someone that agreed. The light. <laughs> <laughs> we had a very large debate about this, Alejandro. 
Oh, I I agree. I felt like you, you can see it a mile away. I can see that, yeah, Robert Downey doesn't have a father. He has to play the father figure. He's getting out of danger. He's giving him the suit, which makes him feel guilty. And then, like, I got it. Don't worry. He'll come back. Homecoming did really well. <laughs> right. <laughs> Man, it's almost like we've heard that being said before. So jaded with today's film audience. Okay. So just so back in December with Star Wars, nothing happened that we wanted to happen. This movie is bad. <laughs> and they and they didn't treat certain characters the way in true to form. And then here comes April with the Infinity War. Oh, what we thought would happen has happened. And now I'm pissed because what I thought was going to happen has actually happened. I mean, there is no pleasing you fuckers at all. There's no please. Oh, no. Hey, no, I was I was actually fine with Last Jedi. I know you were. I could tell. I can. I know you're real. <laughs> I, I know you I, I can, can hear, I can your hear it in your voice. <laughs> there was just there was just a couple of things in The Last Jedi where like, look, I I commend it for trying to fuck with us. So we don't expect what's expected, especially because there's just so many like Jesus. I love these videos are like, let me explain the ending of this movie. It's like, we're not stupid. We get it. You know what I mean? Like the ending explained. It's like, wow. Yeah, I hate that too. Um, so <laughs> especially when it's a movie, like super simple, like, um, we got it. Lion King ending explained. You're like, I don't need this. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> but like, like the things that I hated about star Wars was, well, first of all, I will, I will always like Star Wars, and they're all very capable movies, including the new ones. It's just we've lost that mysticism of a Star Wars movie because they're coming out every fucking year. Like, goddamn, like slow down, and and that's fine, yeah. but it just loses that appeal when you're like, oh shit, guys, five years has passed, new Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, I, I I get I get that, but at the same time, I mean, I would much rather that than waiting like. 9,000 years between like things to where it really fucks things up. Like you went from the original star Wars trilogy to like the prequel trilogy. And that sat for so long waiting on like technology and things like that, that George Lucas just had time to fuck it up. Like if you do it quickly, you can't fuck it up as bad because you don't have time. Like George Lucas sat there and fucked it. It's sad to say that the last Jedi has made me, not care if I go see another Star Wars movie. Really? Oh no! Like I'm just like, like I'm just like, wow. Okay, I can wait for it. It's the only one I don't own out of all of the Star Wars. I mean, like I'm probably I, I mean I'm on the fence about Solo whether or not I'm gonna go see that. If I do oh, go see too. it, it, it's only gonna be because of Donald Glover. Like if I go see if I go see Solo in theaters. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch it because of David Glover, and I'm really super excited because now, apparently, because of Donald Glover in Solo, they're gonna do a Lando movie with Donald Glover as Lando. And do we need it? Though? Oh, really? Do we need it? Uh, yeah, we need anything that Donald Glover wants to do. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I, 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 I like him, and I'm really liking the Atlanta show. Like, I just watched fucking the Barbershop show episode like four times. I'm not even kidding. Oh. Okay. Oh, but that no, that barbershop episode is fucking brilliant. Yeah, I laughed my ass off. And that's fucking brilliant. I liked the one I want to say it's one one or two episodes later with with all I'll say is with uh I want to say it was Teddy. Um when he goes uh when the guy goes to pick up the piano. And I hated that episode. I passed out. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. 
that that episode changed my fucking life. Like that oh, was wow. just such a beautifully done episode. I mean, because every like it's just one of those things where it does it subverts expectations, but it just it doesn't do it simply to do that. It, it's not subverting what you think is going to happen just so they can say, hey, we subverted expectations. It did it because that was the most compelling way to tell that story. Here's a question for all of you, and you only have to say one word. Who is the the most subpar character in the new trilogy? In the new trilogy? Yeah, in the new ones. Or the last Jedi and Force Awakens. The um, character you're just the, like... The Duff oh, girl there. who was macking on um, Finn. She is completely unnecessary. Okay. I would actually <laughs> say Finn. Jason Boyega. He is a... I don't want to. He is a blessing. Yeah, he's great. In, in in Force Awakens, I 100% agree with you. In Last Jedi, they used him the wrong way. I'm going to, I'm going to go with both you guys. I think you you guys are both right. The part in the Last Jedi where he, because he kind of is useless the whole fucking movie, and he go. I mean, like the casino scene. I know we talked about it. Jesus, like I, I. Yeah, that's ah. the worst scene in the movie. It's it, that was yeah. We none of I don't think anybody liked that scene. I thought it was necessary. Yeah. I hated that entire fucking plot line. Yeah, it just makes yeah. no goddamn sense. That and then, entire plot line is what I don't like about Last Jedi. Everything else I'm 100% fine with, but that whole plot line could have just been fixed with a fucking post-it note, and it would have saved everybody a lot of time and a lot of energy. <laughs> also, yeah. Sterling, I know that you're saying that you're okay with the rest of the movie, but check this out. How more badass would it have been and, and then, and this is this is in the two scenes when Finn is going to kill himself. If they would have let him do it, I would have been like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, that would have been great. I said that too. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I was. I like, do agree. Damn. I do agree with that. But I liked what that set up. I liked that that set up that whole uh, that Luke Skywalker part of it. Um, exactly, and and that was my next point. How much more impactful would have been if that would have been a fucking hologram? How much more badass would Luke Skywalker been? Because he does that, everyone shoots him, and then he comes back, he pushes the dust, and everyone's like, oh, shit. And then he's not even there. No, it, w- it wouldn't have been badass, because what it would have been is when we waited all that time to see Yoda fight, and it was a bullshit CGI mess. And it would have been like, Neo versus all, versus all the Agent Smiths. And it would have been shit. Why couldn't it have been Neo and Mr. Smith in the first one? Yeah, because, because you had... You had AT-AT gorillas, and you had all of those ships, and you had all that CGI already surrounding them. And and Mark Hamill can't move like that anymore. Yeah, Mark, Mark Hamill can't move, so it would have been all CGI. It would have looked hokey fighting against, um, um, God, what's yeah. his name? Kylo Ren. Um, I know Kylo Ren, but what's his name? Adam Driver. I know Driver. Kylo Ren, but Adam what's Driver. his name? Adam Driver, who is actually... Uh, a former member of the armed services, so we yeah. know you can win. And hey, how about this? It was already badass enough. You want to know why? Because did you see that dude? He was ripped. oh no, like he was trust so me, it was badass. <laughs> but I mean, it could be written into the script that oh well, um, Luke Skywalker can't move the way he moved. Okay, then why don't you have Luke Skywalker do sword sword force sword sword force, and, and mix it like that? Because he, I just, I don't know. I think it was a great display of the force. Um, I, I think it was a great display of the force of him able to astral project himself like that. 
I thought that just showed exactly how raw he was. There was no real precedent for somebody ever doing anything like that with the force beforehand. And so that alone showed you his mastery to me. I just thought that was amazing. And it killed him. He went out, he went out sacrificing. He went out, he went out like a hero. He, and, and another thing is he didn't have a real fight with Kylo Ren because he didn't want to do what he did last time and raise his sword, his lightsaber to Kylo Ren. He didn't want to end this in a violent exchange. He wanted to die showing Kylo a peaceful way to use the Force. Okay, that was good. That was a good response. I'm not going to lie. I haven't heard that part of it broken down like that, like that peaceful way of using the Force. I'm not going to lie. I like that. I'm going to steal that if I ever argue with somebody else. That was a good one. Please do. Thank <laughs> it's you. recorded Thank in you. this podcast that Alejandro Montoya said that. <laughs> you heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> Muchas gracias. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Muchas gracias. But I got a director seal. But like honestly, besides that, like the only movie that I would watch, like that, because uh, you know there's gonna be prequels now. Fucking Chewbacca is gonna have a prequel movie or whatever the fuck. Um, the only <laughs> oh. imagine all of them in Kashyyyk. <laughs> That's Chewbacca as a little kid. He's gonna be something, and then he, you know. I mean, all right, like somebody like Chewbacca, I don't necessarily want uh, a prequel story for. I honestly don't want one for Han Solo either. But a character like a character like Lando is a compelling and interesting character that he's a great character in the original trilogy. And he's one of those characters that, you know, the least about with all, a lot of that stuff. Like he's one of the few characters I feel like you could truly do something great with. Like it's 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 fine. The only one that I would see out of the prequels is if they do an Obi-Wan prequel and they do it, they do it right. Like, you know, kind of like what they did with Logan, where it's just kind of like a mid, like a Western tragic story. They need to show what he did on Tatooine between uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Yeah, it's got, you got 18 years. Well, I know, I do know that, what's his name? Uh, Ewan McGregor said if they want to do that, he's willing to do it. Like if the if, hell yeah, because yeah. he, he honestly he is the best thing from those prequel trilogies. You, I agree. You and McGregor oh, as yeah. Obi Wan yeah. is the one yeah, thing. Yeah, that's true. It's it's a good redeeming quality. And Ray Park, okay, and Ray. Park. Yeah, but he, he another good all thing. Of like five seconds. He's in a movie. No, but then he was in Blade Two. The no, best he's not Blade Two. The best fights and Blade Two is not was the Ray best Park. Blade. I will. I will fight whoa. that one. Whoa, 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 without a whoa. doubt. Wait, whoa. For one, no, that's not Ray Park. Two, how is that not the yeah. fucking best Blade movie? Best Blade movie? I think it's still one, man. No. no. Oh, have you? When was the last time you went back and watched that movie, Alejandro? I did. When was the last time you went back? And- I watched it probably. I watched it a year ago, and I was just like, oh, "This is absurd." What? And I- yeah, exactly. Precisely. Perfect wording. Yeah, but it's, I don't know, man. Like, I was just like, I don't have to, I only, out of all the trilogies, I've that one, I just see the first one. Like, the first one still holds up. The first the intro, the soundtrack, the action, all of that shit is still great. The next one is just, okay. Oh, my God. The next one was so dope. Those fight scenes were great. There was so much more emotion, so much more character development. The digital, um, the digital man, blade that- fighting in the light spotlight. Okay. That was so Yes, shitty. that's bad. But that's infinitely better than the blood god. Oh, yeah. He can that's cut in half. 
Oh my god, that looked like some PS1 shit. Well, yeah, but it was a 97 and they had like fucking 75% so less Jurassic, budget. Jurassic Park was in 93, okay? Don't get me started with that, okay? But, but <laughs> Jurassic, Jurassic Park had like probably $70 million more six years before. And let's not compare because Jurassic Park is a fucking piece of art. Hey, I'm just saying that the technology existed. It existed to do it better, and they could have done it better, you know, but they didn't. You know what my favorite shot of, of Jurassic Park is? Triceratops. The push-in. No, no, oh. no. I mean, the, the movie's all great, but the push-in where right before Muldoon says to, like, gatekeeper, it's just a, a, a dolly of him holding the shotgun, and the bass just going, dum, yeah. dum, 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 dum. I was like, holy <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. He looks like such a badass. Yeah, I think my I think my favorite scene, and my favorite shot is clever girl. I think that's I, I just love that. Uh, that's like my favorite. I just loved it. So good. And then Raptor. That every time somebody's like, I think that dinosaurs and human beings lived at the same time. I just show them that scene. I'm like, come here, let me show you something. <laughs> You ever seen Jurassic Park? <laughs> Here you go. Here's what happens. Is anyone Here's excited about Jurassic World? Fallen Kingdom. I am. Oh, you know what? That's what I was. I was. I wanted to ask you since you brought up Jurassic Park. I was going to ask what you thought of Jurassic World and what you think about Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. I haven't seen it, obviously, because it hasn't come out. Um, I don't. I mean, this this movie should have. I mean, I don't want to shit on anybody. But it's like, isn't this the problem to solve all the problems? The dinosaurs just die. How many people have this fucking, you know, park killed? And they're like, no, no, let's fix it again. We promise you this time <laughs> the dinosaurs will be fine. It's like going to Space Mountain and then every fucking day it breaks down. And from January to December, <laughs> they keep telling you, but, 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 we fixed it finally. Then like somebody puts a bomb on it and they're just like, just let it blow up. Just, just let it blow up. It's going to be fine. It, the park is better without it. Yeah. I, I specifically don't like the dolly shot in where, what's his name? Jeff Goldblum is like, this truly will be a Jurassic World. It's like, you can tell they wrote that line just for the train. <laughs> yeah, but they also wrote for Jeff yeah. Goldblum to say it, so I'm down for it. If right. anybody's going to deliver Seriously. that line in a good way, it's Jeff Goldblum. Yep. That's true. He did do he did do a good job doing it in Independence Day Resurrection. Yeah, that that's was sarcasm. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ooh, the scorching, muy caliente, hey. sir. Muy he is one hundred percent the best thing in that movie. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness! Yes, I wow. I will give you that one. Yes, because I don't know who the kid is who's supposed to be Will Smith's kid, um, but. I don't know, guys, but Will Smith is charismatic as fuck, and this kid was not. No. Right? He didn't, <laughs> yeah. Charisma is not passed on to the DNA, not obviously. All. Not at all. <laughs> it's no. not passed on to the genetic material. Oh, man. I am just a, disappo- a disappointment living. I am just a disappointment living. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to go see Solo, and we'll see how it goes. I'm definitely going to be seeing Jurassic World. My sons love Jurassic Park. They watch all of the movies several times. They actually watched it into phobia, and then they use it as a recovery tool for themselves uh, (laughs) to face their fear of dinosaurs. So we're definitely going to see Jurassic World. I 
I basically told my girlfriend, she's like, you got to come see Solo with me. And I'm like, I'll go see Solo with you if you buy the, the tickets and if you <laughs> buy the dinner and two beers for me. Did she, did she say yes? Oh, yeah. So I'm like, all right. I That's mean, a keeper right there. That's a keeper. I know, right? Like, no, my girlfriend did something super sweet for, uh, for me the other the other week. I was like, uh, she's working on this shoot in Santa Fe. I'm in Albuquerque. And I went to L.A. for the weekend for a couple of meetings and shit. So she comes back from Santa Fe to stay at her house. Then I get back and I open the fridge, dude. And there was like snacks there. Aw. Snacks. You what she what did I mean? you? Well, she got me like, well, it's not really snacks, but she got me like eggs and like ham and like, milk. And, oh, and, like, she you got you what? like actual groceries. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yes. Yeah, exactly. And then I opened the door. I'm like, what the fuck? Is this poison? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Who put anyway, this shit here? It was super nice. <laughs> Who broke but, in? Yeah, She's like, oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. What the? Did you invite your other boyfriend here? What's going on? <laughs> Excuse me, 911. There's been somebody's burger in my house. Yeah. Uh, what did they take, sir? Actually, they just went to my fridge and they filled it up with like yeah. ham and eggs and breakfast. Officer, this, this crazy bastard put in eggs and not egg beaters. And then they put whole milk and not 2%. This motherfucker wants me dead. <laughs> wants me dead. You know how much milk fat is in that? How dare you, officer? <laughs> trying try to change my life right now. You know what I'm going to do with this? I'm going to make an omelet. I put the milk in the omelet and I drink the milk at the same time. That's calorie overload. I have a seizure or a stroke and that's it. The end. Best case, type 9 diabetes. That's a type that doesn't even exist. Type 9? <laughs> what, what happened? <laughs> type 9. I'm really curious about this too, considering that none of that has sugar in it. Exactly. <laughs> type 9 diabetes. You're, you're fucking... Your head explodes. No, type 9 diabetes is actually a contagious strain of diabetes. Uh-oh. It takes a viral form. Is it contagious like by a, by a sneeze or a touch? No, it's, it's contagious by food. So you're like, oh my God, you really do know how to cook. But literally, you know that food has type 9 diabetes. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not. Beer number two coming up. You're only on number two. That's yeah. cute. Hey, I think I'm on. I'm not an alcoholic. Like four or five right now. <laughs> Are you through your whole pack of cigarettes yet? Oh, I'm I'm on the third pack already. Jesus. I don't have cigarettes. That's why I'm not drinking. Oh yeah, I'm 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 halfway through pack three already. So, okay, let's, what are you guys thinking of the show? Are you guys liking the show? I am. I think it's really good. Like, it, it's very interesting. I, like I said, I'm not, I, I'm one episode behind, so I have to watch that sometime soon. But it's, it's a very, like, just everything that they touch on, you know, like, people who don't know what it's actually like to do filmmaking, it's, it's mm -hmm. cool to just see the perspective of that and just to kind of see like, no, this is the kind of stuff that you have to do when you're making a film. Yeah, I like it. I can't wait for the movies to be on Go90. I know, right? That's what I was going to bring up about that is because like, if I had come across this show like in a normal way and just started watching the show, I would have been incredibly pissed off by the end because I would have like seen all these pe like all these movies being made and then I'd be like, but I don't get to watch them. 
and then I'd be mad because I, I get to see right. all this stuff and all this behind the scenes stuff. Like, but, but then I don't get to see it. Like I'd be upset. Uh, so, I mean, I, I've lucked out cause we've gotten to watch a few of them anyway, as screeners and stuff like that. But like, it, so, so our audience does know, like if they watch this, the, the movies themselves are going to be up on go 90 in the future. Yeah, they will. I think they're just giving us the opportunity to tour with film fest to film festivals and see, you know, to show people what we were, we were able to do and how our movies and, uh, uh, you know, doing the film festival, maybe we win a prize or two. So yeah, they're just letting us tour with them and then they're going to be on Go90. That's super cool. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. And then the cool thing about it is that the show will be on El Rey in, uh, in the fall and a couple of episodes would be longer. And also there's going to be, if I'm not mistaken, digital content that didn't make the episode. So it's going to be pretty cool. Nice bonus content. I like that. Uh, so you're, all you're really telling me is I'm going to end up watching all these episodes all over again. <laughs> um, Basically, yeah. <laughs> How long ago did you film this show? Uh, South by was a couple of months ago. So just by South by because we had to film how we showed the movies to all. We oh that was such a long day. We had to watch all five movies in one day. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty, pretty heavy. But um, we we finished the day we premiered the movies. Okay, you're kidding me. No. Wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah, they gave that us a couple that. of months to edit, and then they came and checked it, checked on on us while we were editing the movie. Then they filmed us come back to Austin, and then they uh, the premiere, and that was it. Wow. Well, out of those um, movies that you watched and screened and everything, was there one in particular that stood out to you? Or not to say, oh, this one was better than this one, but like, was there one where you were like, huh, or you saw some admirable techniques or something that you kind of took note of, or you were like, huh, I really like the way that one came out. Any of those? Yeah, I mean, they have all have a little bit of a strain or not a strain, but a little bit of a tactic that's very different. Like I was very uh, uh, impressed by Scarlett's kind of take on the movie with a very, you know, static aesthetic. And I, I really like the multi-layered genre that that uh, Josh did, and uh, with his special effects. Like I can't do special effects and save my ass, so I I was very uh, I admired that. I admire stuff that I can't do, and I can definitely not do. I can't draw. Like, my drawings are fucking... They, they have not improved since the third grade. <laughs> <laughs> Rudimentary is the Me best neither. way to describe them. <laughs> Me neither. So we're yeah. in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, I can't. So he's a he's a, he's a illustrator, so he draws, and he did his own animation, so that was really cool. So, and so as far as, like, future projects and stuff, uh, what's coming up for you, man? Like, are there is there anything coming up that you're at liberty to speak about are you excited about something are you working on something anything that people need to uh keep their uh, eyes and ears open for yeah i i mean there's several things like i'm right now we're touring with monday which is the movie that was on uh rebel without a crew that we shot for rebel without a crew and we're gonna go to uh the soho film festival which is in new york uh june 15th which is a friday we're gonna screen there then we just got accepted to a film festival in Las Vegas called Action on Film, which I, I, I've never personally heard about it because, um, 
which was told to me because a couple of people told me because you've never done action films, but this is a, this, it's a pretty big uh, genre festival for action. So we're really happy that our that our seven K little action movie got in. And um, I'm I was recently accepted in the media market for Nalip N A L I P. So it's an organization that supports uh, Hispanic or Latino you know Latino filmmakers and. Um, I'm going to be able to pitch the feature film version of Lo-Fi to them. And I'm trying to finish writing the sequel to Monday. Man, an um, ambitious, awesome. busy person. Fantastic. Yeah, f- full plate. Full plate, man. Thanks, man. And I'm also trying to... I actually finished a script called uh, The Bachelorette Party as well. So I, I should have one. One's got to bite, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just treat that full plate like it's from Franklin's. You'll get it all done, man. <laughs> oh, right. In three in three minutes. <laughs> yes. Lovely. So Alejandro, um, how do you know our listeners, how do we support you? You got a website, anything like that? Uh give yourself some uh, some plugging, man. Yeah. Um if you guys, you know, go to the internet. You can just uh, type in Alejandro Montoya Marin in one word dot com. And that's my website. Also, if you do the same thing and just put the at sign Alejandro Montoya Marin, that's my Instagram. And uh, yeah, uh, Twitter four point the number five films. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, my YouTube page, Sandra Alejandro Montoya Marin. Nothing original. Once again, thank you for coming on a second time, even though nobody can hear the first time. We really do appreciate you making uh, time in your schedule for us to uh, do this again. It was a blast, man. Other than that, guys, remember, go check out our website, cinemaslayers.com, Facebook, Cinema Slayers. On Twitter, it's at cinema underscore slayers. We are on Instagram. It's at cinema slayers, I think, on that. I don't know. Is that right, Heather? Yes. Okay, there we go. And check out our merch shop. A uh, link to that is on uh, the website. We've got some more reviews coming your way. We've got more podcasts coming your way. Uh, also, make sure you check out our movie matchup podcast and make sure you go like us on Facebook. So then that way you can participate in our discussions on that and your stuff might end up on the actual podcast for that one. And other than that, we really appreciate you guys for listening to us. Mm-hmm.